of the Lord for you today from God's Word. We've been covering the past few weeks on this amazing narrative, this biopic of a man named Gideon. The series is called The Hideout, Let the Hidden Warriors Please Come Out. This clarion call, believing that even in this critical hour, not just in American but global history, we are about to see every hidden warrior come out. We are about to see people come out of the threshing floor and the wine press of life, and we are about to see individuals filled with Christ occupy the very area hell has fought to keep us out of. That's the call. Matter of fact, if you haven't, please go, go to our new season app, download the sermons, go to our podcast. It, it, it behooves you to, to line yourself up with this teaching from the past four weeks. Because you go one by one, you know the story already, I'm not going to repeat the entire narrative. The people of God are enslaved by the bad guys, the Midianites, and all of a sudden we find one man who was doing something ludicrous, doing the right thing in the wrong place, he was threshing wheat in the wine press. He has an encounter with the angel of the Lord, this man named Gideon. The angel of the Lord shows up and has a conversation with him. And the life of Gideon could be broken down into five phases. Order, somebody say order. order. Overcome. Overcome. Occupy. Overflow, operate. I can show you Judges chapter 6 and 7, breaking it down. This is the life of Gideon. The angel of the Lord shows up, heaven shows up and puts order in his life. The first thing God wants to do is put things in order in your life. Order precedes, absolutely precedes, absolutely everything else. It's order. Order and then after order, you, you're in, because of order, you are able to overcome. You can't overcome with chaos. You can only overcome with order. And then when you overcome, then you step in and you occupy. And I'm going to repeat this again. I do believe there are a bunch of people who have been hiding, hiding in the wine press of fear and in the past and sin and false definitions and identity moratorium and ambiguity and so much you have been hiding under. You're going to come out this season and you're going to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. How many are ready to occupy? No, that, that's not like, you know, figuratively speaking or speaking parenthetically in the context of the narrative. I'm here to tell you you're going to occupy areas that you have. I mean, there have been areas that you've been praying for and hoping for in your business, in your career, in your family, in your destiny, in your health. You need to believe that you're going to step out and occupy the very area. Hell, I believe that your warfare is not about the enemy trying to keep you in. It's about the enemy trying to keep you out. And much of what you've been through has been the enemy trying to keep you out of something, not just in something. So get ready, because before this year is over, you're going to have a smile on your face, and you're going to occupy that very area, that land in Jesus' name. After you occupy, the next thing is overflow. Somebody say overflow. Overflow. When you occupy, you'll, the people of God experience the overflow of the benefits of adhering with the word of God, Judges chapter 7 overflow. Last week we were reminded you and I will never experience overflow until we no longer care if our enemies get blessed through our blessings. You need to write that down as a life's principle. Some of you have been asking for overflow. God will never ever permit overflow in your life until you don't mind if your enemies get blessed with your life. How about this? Let's take it up Jesus level. Forget about not minding or not being bothered by. What if you actually pray, God, pour out your overflow and bless my enemies through my overflow? 
and then you operate with that overflow. That's what the people of God did. Sometimes we find our purpose in the pit. Sometimes we discover our title in the threshing floor. And sometimes the hidden wine press produces the greatest wine. Here's the first point for today. The hidden warrior lives by belief, not by sight. The hidden warrior lives by belief, not by sight. The first thing, here it is. He steps out. He has a conversation. Don't forget. What happens? The angel of the Lord tells him who he is. You are a mighty warrior. Identity. The second thing, the resources. You have the strength you need. The third thing, your mission statement. You will defeat the Midianites. There it is. Who you are, your identity. What you have, what you will do. He steps out and here's the conversation. The angel of God said to him, Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read this. Listen carefully. The angel of God said to him, now here it is. Gideon hurried home. He found a goat. He got some stuff. He brought a, a worship, a praise, right? He brought food back for the angel as a sacrifice, a thanksgiving. This is the way the angel of the Lord responds. The angel says, I'm going to wait for you. He left his pit. He went home, Gideon. The angel stayed right next to the tree, waiting, waiting. The angel of God said to him, you brought me this food. Place the meat and the bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. Here's the part I want you to focus on. And the angel of the Lord did what? Somebody say disappeared. When the angel of the Lord received Gideon's offering... The angel of the Lord did what? Disappeared. Disappeared. So he was physically speaking, interacting with an angel. It wasn't a figment of his imagination. There was literally a person here. Here. It was the angel of the Lord. Verse 22. When Gideon finally realized that it was the angel of the Lord, because he disappeared. Like you're talking to someone, boom, they disappeared. Either you're going nuts or that's an angel of the Lord. And, and when, the, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, verse 23 is the clincher. Here comes my favorite part. It's all right. Who replied? I need to break this down for you. Now, please be patient with me. Once you get this, it's going to change your life forevermore. Who replied? Now, we, need, we can go back to verse 21. Who disappeared? It wasn't the Lord. It was the angel of the Lord. You're going to get this in about a second. He was talking to the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord disappears. All of a sudden, he pivots. He demonstrates maturity. And he begins to talk to God himself. Watch this. Before, because he was a baby believer... He, he had to see it to believe it. He no longer need, he no longer required to see the angel in order to talk to God. He bypassed it and started talking to God. He said, and the Lord replied. What does this mean? He pivoted from I have to see it. I'm going to be driven by what I see to I'm going to be driven by what I believe. My belief is greater than what I see. Now he's talking to heaven. With The, the Lord never showed up. The Lord never manifested. It, it, the Lord never right there showed up and said, and I replied. The, the, the Lord, he's speaking to God through prayer. 
Watch this. With the word, he no longer needed to see it. All he needed to do was believe it. The world is hungry for a church that is driven not by what we see, but by why what we leave. Our belief must be greater than the things that we see. There, there has to be a generation that stands up, driven not by what we see, but rather by what we believe. Our second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 is we walk by we walk by and not by and not by it's not what I see it's what I believe I'm gonna repeat that right here it's not what I see it's what I believe the world hungers for a church driven not by what we see in the culture but rather what we read in the Word of God and what we believe from the Spirit of God it's not what I see it's what I believe. That should be your mantra, your declaration today. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, NLT. We live by believing, not by seeing. One more time. It's not what I see. It's what I believe. Repeat after me. It's not what I see. It's what I believe. I see that some of my family members are bound, but I believe that they will be set free. I see a nation divided by politics, by values, by ideologies, but I believe there's an awakening of the power of Jesus that's about to inundate America that will lead to a revival, that will lead to cultural reformation. I see a generation confused. Whitney re re referenced this regarding truth, sexuality, and identity. I see that. We can't deny it. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Reels, on Instagram. I see it on YouTube. I see it on Twitter. I see a generation confused. But I believe. But I believe. But I believe. But I believe. The next generation will not be lost. The next generation will be saved, will be delivered, will be healed, will be filled, and will be used by God to change the world around us. It's not what we see. It's what? That's what drives you. That's what drives me. He grew up like this. He needed to see it first, but then he pivoted to, even if the angel disappeared, I can still talk to God because now I believe. And I'm not even going to talk to the angel or the Lord. I'm going to see, and the Lord replied. Some of y'all still waiting for an angel to show up for you to see your breakthrough. You don't need to see it to believe it. You need to act like it's already yours. Praise like it's already yours. You need to believe and worship. You need to believe. It's not what I see. It's what I believe. You are what you believe. So what do you believe? What do you believe about God and yourself, Gideon? about your identity, about your future and your generation. What do you believe if you are your beliefs? Can your beliefs be moved and defined according to the season? Are your beliefs temporal, temporary? Are they the kind of beliefs that when you go through hell, you believe something different? Can your beliefs be manipulated and controlled by cultural influencers and politicians and people with many followers?
most important person in the history of humanity, we know for a fact there were many, but there were at least 12 that were solid. He counted with 12 solid followers. One of them ended up betraying him. The other one, who was still a follower, ended up cursing. And we are letting ourselves be led by people with many followers. We need a group of people that stand up and go, hold on a second, this is me. I'm a Gideon. I'm not going to be driven by what I see. I don't care what disappears. As for me and my house, we will serve the living God. Somebody should praise like you know what I'm talking about right now. I don't care what disappears. I don't care what goes away. I'm going to call out to the Lord who will reply. I don't care what's no longer in my family, no longer in my circle of influence. I'm going to cry out to the Lord. I'm going to tell you what I believe. If a church can stand up, it's not what we see, it's what we believe. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. That he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. That he suffered under Pontius Pilate. That he was crucified. That he died and was buried. That he descended to the dead. And on the third day. On the third day. I said on the third day. On the third day. On the third day. Not just spiritually, not just metaphysically, physically. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy prevailing glorious church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. If you believe that, raise your hand. And because I believe this, then I can declare, then subsequently cause and effect, causation. Then I can say the following. I believe that my family is holy ground. I believe that I am wonderfully and beautifully made in the image of God. I, I want to repeat that part. We are wonderfully and beautifully made in the image of God. It is God who makes me me. It is God who makes you you. Listen, listen to me. Whatever you saw in the morning, in the shower, in the mirror, don't try to change something that God already made beautifully and knitted together by the wonderful grace of God. I believe that I have a great purpose and destiny for Jesus. I believe that my entire household will be saved. How many believe that with me? And I believe that I have the privilege and the honor of pastoring a church of reformers who are called to change the world by reconciling righteousness and justice, truth with love. If you believe what I believe and come in agreement with what the word tells us to believe, now I want you to give God the best praise you've given him all day. Are there any believers? Are there any believers? The hidden warrior is not driven by sight, but by belief. I hope you get this. The angel disappeared, but he continued to pray. He pivoted to prayer, and the Lord replied. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said this. 
you're speaking now directly to heaven. It's all right, the Lord replied. Three things in this verse. It's all right. Do not be afraid and you will not die. Verse 23. Put the verse up there, please. It's all right. Do not be afraid and you will not die. That's like a pregnant verse. My goodness, it's triplets. There's three distinct declarations. The first thing, it's all right. What? Because he, he freaked out. Gideon said, my God, just talked to the angel, Lord, the Lord's representative. I'm going to die. I can't, like, I don't deserve this. I'm going to die. And the Lord says, you're like, it's all right. It's all right. When God says it's all right, it means no matter what happened, I will make it work in your favor. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28, somebody say, it's all right. When God says it's all right, he means whatever went wrong, I have the power to make it right. First Thessalonians 5.24, the same God who called you is faithful to make it right. Somebody say, it's all right. When God says it's all right, he means I got this. You have nothing to worry about. I'm, I'm here to tell you it's all right. Whatever you're going through in your family, with your kids, in your circumstance, the word of the Lord is, it's all right. When Noah looked out the window seeking proof of life, a dove came back with evidence, in essence declaring, it's all right. When Moses believed they would starve in the desert, water came out of a rock and manna came down from heaven. God's way of saying, when the prophet feared from his life and hid from Jezebel, God sent the ravens <laughs> to feed him, letting him know that no matter what, when the disciples were on a boat and the storm arose, Jesus got up and spoke a word, and his very presence conveyed a solitary truth. No matter what you're seeing, it's all right. So you're here right now to hear it's all right. John 14, 27 says, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. That means it's all right. When I was a kid growing up in church, this is true story. Whenever the circumstances in our nation or in families from the church, when the church was going through something, I grew up. I grew up, it's real simple. All you would hear is, I got a feeling. <laughs> it wasn't deep, but it was powerful. I've got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. You got to be in a place that no matter what you're going through in life, Stand up and look at your circumstances and say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. I dare you to look at every hell that's trying to take away your praise, trying to take away your joy, trying to take away your destiny. Open up your mouth and say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Does anybody know what a praise break is in this house? 
Does anyone know that when all hell comes against you, you want to stand up with the peace of the Lord and say, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right for me. It's all right for my family. All right for my destiny. It's all right. It's all right. I dare you to wave your hand and say, it's all right. Say it to yourself. Say, it's all right. Tell yourself, stop doubting. It's all right. Stop worrying. It's all right. Stop being depressed about it. It's all right. Stop being anxious about it. It's all right. God says it's all right. Your family is all right. Your future is all right. Your health is all right. Your circumstances, God is working them in your favor. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. What a word. Heaven shows up and says, it's all right. I mean, what a word. It's all right. Everything is right in Christ. That's the new application to the covenant. It's all right in Jesus. Jesus says, I got this. It's all right. What are you waiting for? It's all right. Do what I told you to do. It's all right. March like nothing can stand before you. It's all right. Forget about who left you and abandoned you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's all right. Don't look back. Look for. Move forward. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You're driven by what you believe. You need to believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to believe that if God before you, who can be against you? You need to believe. You need to believe. You need to believe. You need to believe it. It's all right. Somebody lift up your right hand if you know it's not just rhetoric of man, but you know that God is telling you, let not your heart be troubled. It's all right. Raise your right hand. Now raise your other hand. Likewise, if when God means everything, he says all. He didn't say it's some right. It's most right. It's majority right. He said it's. And when I said he said it's. When he means all, he means everything in your life will be made right in Christ. Somebody get ready to see God make it all right. I feel the anointing of God. I, all right, stand with you are standing. Those that are not standing, stand with me. It's, it's all right. All is made right in Christ. In Jesus, he makes it all right. Even the stuff that was wrong, he has the power to make it. It's all right. Hey, Gideon, now that you're driven by what you believe, not by what you see, now that you're speaking to me directly, I'm here to tell you it's all right. But I could end there and walk away, but I won't. The Lord is speaking to him now. No longer looking at a man or an angel by a tree. Oh. He's speaking to the one that would one day die on a tree. He tells him, I'm not just going to tell you it's all right. I'm going to tell you this other part, which is critical. Don't be afraid. Out of all the declarations in Scripture, 
It is the most repeated declaration. There's a little bit of hype out there about 300, and that's not true. Not one translation has 365, 66 versions of don't fear. It's a good attempt to try to frame that, but it's not factual. It is the most repeated exhortation from heaven for humanity. Don't be afraid. Why would God say that above everything else? Don't fear. Because the number one thing we battle with is, man, we fear everything. Fear our past. Fear our failures. Fear the future. Fear what people think about us. Fear what we think about it. We fear, I mean, it's fear. Now with this COVID, fear this and then the, this, this could. Fear that, what it, fear. And all of a sudden, heaven says, the Lord himself says, not only is it all right, don't fear. Don't fear. As you stand, I'm about to land this, but I want you to hear this. Here's the word of the Lord, Isaiah 41, verse 10, for you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up. That part has to be broken down in the Hebrew. I will hold you up is equivalent. I'm going to be falling down here. Your job is to make sure I don't touch the ground. I will hold you up means when you're weak, when you can't do it, his job is to keep you up. Where it's no longer dependent on your strength. You're dependent on God's strength. And his strength never fails. With my righteous right hand, Christ at the right hand of the Father. 2 Timothy 1.7, you know this, you have it memorized. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of what? We're done. Are we? Yeah, we're done. But there's a third thing he tells them, which is my favorite out of all three. Ready for this? So what? The first thing is what? It's all right. Don't be afraid. Here's your third one. I'm done with this. Ready? Here it is. You're not going to die. Now, what is, I want to frame it to you, Hebrew contextualization, exegetical preaching from the passage. This is what he's saying. You're going to live to see it. You're going to live to see what I promised you would come to pass. I dare you to open up your mouth and declare upon yourself and your family, I'm going to live to see it. You're going to live to see what God promised you for you and your children. You're going to live to see the promises of God fulfilled. I dare you to shout, I'm going to live to see it. You're going to live to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. You're going to live to see the favor of the Lord flowing out of you and through you. The you're going to live to see the light of Christ shining through you as you arise and shine. You're going to live to see your children do greater things. How many believe that with me? You are going to live to see a revival that will make Azusa look like an opening act and the Jesus movement look like a rehearsal. You're going to live to see more Jesus People arise around the world than never before. Psalm 118.17 says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. And of course, regarding eternity, John 11.26, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. 
Hidden warriors cannot die until they see their promises fulfilled. If you got this word, have you received it? If you know that it's all right because he said it, if this is the year you're going to flip the script in this crazy year, and this is the year you're going to overcome through Jesus every single one of your fears and phobias forevermore, raise both hands in your tippy toe. And if you know that you're going to live to see everything God promised you come to pass, give him the best kind of praise you've given him this entire day. from my life will no longer dictate my destiny did you get that did you get it yeah saints thank you give it up for the best Gideon on the planet here thank you You've been awesome. I wish I had more time but we don't because there's something else but we can't because we can't because of the you know and, the, and then Sean gets upset so we just gotta Real quick, real quick, just real quick, run, do it, real quick, run, let's go. We have like 30 seconds on the clock. Um, Armando, help out, Nate, help out. Some little union workers back there. Hanging up, hanging on the wall. Uh-huh, just seven total. There it is, uh-huh. Camera, make sure you get this. Because the next thing Gideon did when he heard all that, Guess what he did? He built an altar. Oh, you missed it. He built an altar. The Bible says the altar lasts till this day. You missed that too. The Bible doesn't say the pit lasted. You're not getting this. This is temporary. This lasts forever. Are you getting this? Your pit is temporary. Your wine press is temporary. That difficult season is temporary. But what you build in the name of Jesus, what you build for the glory of Christ, what you build driven by the Word of God and the Spirit of God will last forevermore. He did that. So when your children, when your grandkids ask you, what about 2020, that crazy year? You will not point back to this. You will tell them, I built something. Matter of fact, you're living the fruit of a testimony that was built in one of my most difficult hours. Is there anyone here ready to build an altar, a spiritual altar, a legacy of faith for your children to inherit? Beautiful. That's the word of the Lord.